0: This is episode 38 with sex therapist Carlisle Jensen. and today we'll be talking about loving yourself and the act of self-pleasure.
1: Girls often have to be told that they've got a spot where it feels good and that's one thing that we often omit telling them. There's no discussion that you've got a clitoris right so again you get into this idea like oh insert part A into slot B no, girls have a clitoris. There's lots of pleasure areas there. You know, you can you can touch yourself and it feels really good. Hey, moms, are you tired of being tired or maybe yelling at your kids? Or maybe you need to
0: know how to get your strength back postpartum or learn to manage your stress trying to do it all or just to become a more confident mom? If so, then welcome to Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired, I'm Christiane Bégin, a mother of two, sharing inspiring conversations with wonderful people on how we can be mentally and physically stronger moms, and also including freshly squeezed ideas, a little bit of fun, so you can learn how to find balance, and also how to raise strong, caring, confident kids in today's world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Hi, welcome to another episode of Citrus Love Podcast. Thank you for being here today. Okay, where should I start? Solo sex is more popular than you might actually think. So we'll be making your sex exciting again. This episode is one that might make you blush, might make you giggle. I actually giggled quite a few times during this episode and really went for it with this topic. So today we are talking about you ladies, you mamas, and that's the act of self-pleasure. Talking about why solo sex Sex for One should be celebrated. It's all about self-loving today, educating you on some things you might be missing out and has a lot of actionable tips. Yes, uh, that's right, that you may put to use right after listening to this episode. Some of you might need to take notes to remember what she's sharing. So we'll be talking about why you might want to consider masturbating. And it's not all about the vagina, ladies. We'll be talking about the entire body and become a pleasure seeker. It will make you think outside the box if you're not already there and add some sexiness back into your life and boost your confidence. So this is for the single ladies or the the ladies that are married in a long-term partnership. So we'll be talking about how to get yourself in the mood here and there. We do talk about if you're in a relationship, um, how to integrate that self-pleasure, how to boost your actual relationship with sex. We do talk about orgasm because that's a big part we hear all the time. So Carlisle will give you specific tips on how you can get yourself to have those orgasm. Maybe you're someone that has never had an orgasm. Maybe some of you are knowledgeable in that department as we're going to talk about all of you guys. Just want to say a quick um, hello to my mom who's listening, or maybe she she probably skipped this episode uh, just looking at the title. Um, but if you're listening, sorry, not sorry. This is something that's actually good for all ages. Even if you're retired, this episode will help with your own sex life. So who is today's guest? So it's Carlisle Jensen. She is a sex and relationship therapist based out of Toronto, Canada. She's also a psychotherapist. She's authored a few books. One of the books I read is Sex Yourself, The Woman's Guide to Mastering Masturbation and Achieving Powerful Orgasm. And she gives educational videos on YouTube and on her website, which I'll put all the links in the show notes on our website, citruslove.com episode 38, as well as some of the recommended sex toys that she does mention during this episode. She is also an event founder of an all-inclusive feminine porn award that's available for streaming on her website. She's a mother of two doing public workshops, coaching individuals and couples. She's been doing it since the years 2000. Is very comfortable talking about it. And that's why it was really fun to be chatting with her about sex and masturbation. If you think there's another lady in your group, friend, mother, just go for it. Share this episode. Make sure to tag me at Citrus Love Podcast. Or if you're on Facebook at Citrus Love Blog. I'll just end with a quote by George Carlin, an American comedian who said, if God had intended us not to masturbate, he would have made our arms shorter. So without further ado, let's add some new self-care tools in your box by listening to this episode. Enjoy. Welcome, Carlisle. Thank you for being on the Citrus Love podcast today. It's a pleasure. <laughs> I'm so excited uh, to be talking to you about this topic. I read your book called Sex Yourself, The Woman's Guide to Mastering Masturbation and Achieving Powerful Orgasm. And I just knew I had to talk about this topic on the podcast because it's still taboo and not everyone's comfortable talking about it openly, but this is something I've learned from reading your book that there's so many things that we don't know and that will Benefit us as women, as mothers, and how to feel good and confident. So we're going to go through a few things today. I'm sure the listener at home or wherever they are, they're going to be learning a few tips for sure. <laughs> Let's hope so. I want to start with what most of us are probably thinking right now and that you wrote a book on sex. So You're probably Mm -hmm. really good at everything, sex, sex topic, having sex, pleasuring yourself. And I was actually surprised reading your book, how you got started and your childhood and that it wasn't exactly what most of us might think. You were not raised with sexually open parents. Can you take us back to your beginnings and how you were raised and if sex was a topic you guys spoke about or was mentioned, how was it in your family?
1: Yeah. uh, So, I mean, I grew up in a home where I always say that sex didn't exist. Um, We did not talk about it. um, And it was very much a taboo subject. And I got all of my information, therefore, from TV shows. We didn't have the internet back then. Um, And some, you know, books designed for teens, but it was uh, something that I never felt comfortable about. I saw my mom kiss my dad once on the cheek. And so there was no models of intimacy. And when I had um, somebody come to my grade 10 health class, um, Sue Johansson, who some of you may remember if you're over 40, um, she had a talk show. But before she got big, she came to my grade 10 class and she talked about sex. And I remember thinking like, really, are people having sex now? (laughs) And I realized, oh God, okay, get your head out of the sand. Yes, we're in grade 10, people are having sex. And I told my mom that she had come to my class and my mom's comment was, don't get any ideas about taking your clothes off. So I thought, okay, no, I'm not going to do that. And I didn't. And I basically focused on sports and I would date and then this, anything got kind of intimate, I'd freak out and I'd break up and I'd run away and it would happen over and over again. So when I was around 21, I thought, you know, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Like sex is a part of life. I like these people that I keep running away from. So I need to do something differently. And fortunately, the person that I chose, I thought, you know, feeling really comfortable, um, think I'm ready to take the plunge. And so when we started getting naked, I just freaked out and I said, oh my God, I'm terrified of your penis. I've never seen a penis before. And fortunately he was really sweet and he gave me a little guided tour of all the little sensitive parts of his penis, (laughs) kind of, you know, showed me everything. And I thought, okay, well we can make friends. And I had no clue what I was doing. And so here we were having um, sex of some kind. I don't know what we were doing. And I felt this build and this build and this build. And I felt like I was hanging on the edge of the cliff and I didn't know what to do next. And so after being there for quite some time, he stopped and he looked at me and he said, what do you like? And I looked at him and I said, aren't you supposed to know that? (laughs) And he suggested (laughs) that it might be helpful if I knew something about my own body and my own pleasure, which had never occurred to me. So I was a very good student, and I started practicing on my own um, how, how to pleasure myself, and I practiced with him, and I was never able to achieve an orgasm. And so after about two years, I gave up, and I thought, you know, some people are tall, some are short, some are good at math, others are better at art. Some can orgasm and some can't. And that's the way life goes. So I was pretty comfortable with that. Um, And when I'd get a new partner, I would say, you know, just so you know, I don't orgasm. Okay, now we can get on with things. (laughs) And um, this one particular partner, it was too stressful for him not being able to bring me to orgasm. So he dumped me. And I decided that this was now getting in the way. So I went to a good friend and I said, okay, what do I need to do? How do I have an orgasm? Because now obviously I need to figure this thing out. And she suggested that I get myself a back massager, very similar to the Hitachi magic wand, Mm -hmm. um, and use it on my clitoris. So I did. And lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, I had my first orgasm and thought, okay, now I'm part of the club. Now I know Mm -hmm. what folks are talking about. And that was sort of the beginning of me starting to learn. And I went to workshops and I read books and I watched videos and I thought, okay, this is a part of my life. And, and so that was kind of how I got my start.
0: So would you say you grew up in a fairly conservative family setting? And yeah, completely. So the fact that you say your parents rarely showed affection for one another and, of course, avoided the topic of sex. I'm curious, do you think this is an important factor in how comfortable you were in expressing uh, your sexuality with a partner later on? Or you didn't really rush into that because it scared you? I have no idea what
1: to do. (laughs) I had no clue. I knew about this thing called intercourse. I'd heard of oral sex, but I had no idea what to do with a penis. Mm. And and very much, I mean, of course, back then also there was a lot more of a sense of, you know, just lie there and think of something and get it over with. There wasn't a sense of women should feel pleasure. This is your body. You should take control. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very much, which is why I said to my first partner, like, don't you know what I like? Because this idea that men are the ones who are supposed to lead the whole experience, Mm -hmm. know what they're doing, and you're supposed to, I mean, I don't even know if I really thought that I was supposed to enjoy it. I mean, I got a sense on some level I was supposed to enjoy it, but I didn't really know what that was supposed to feel like, what was supposed to happen. Yeah, I I didn't really have any kind of a clarity as to what to do. And yeah. I mean, on top of that, what also I think was complicating was that I didn't have a stereotypical feminine body. I didn't have the curves. I didn't have big breasts. You know, long hair did not suit me. And so I kept trying to look like the sexy people on TV, and I it just flopped on me. <laughs> it just did not work. I'm much more androgynous. Um and so I, I, I just I hid under large clothes, you know, like T shirts mm. and pants. It was the easiest way to be myself. And so I didn't I didn't feel like I could own my sexuality because I just felt like I I wasn't sexy. And so that further compounded it in my experience. And then on top of it all, what I found out later was that my mom, who was born in 1924, was adopted. Her mom had her, quote, out of wedlock. My mom's mom had gotten pregnant um, with somebody she wasn't married to, and so had to give her up. And so the other thing was that I got this a strong sense from my mom that having sex is going to get you into trouble. So don't do it.
0: Mm, got it. And then you eventually got interested in learning everything about sex and masturbation and how to have an orgasm. Yeah, that was like did my you... late 20s. Your late 20s. Okay. Yeah. So when did you actually feel like, okay, I I know what what's happening here, what I'm doing or what I'm supposed to do.
1: Yeah. So I would say that um, with my first partner, I still enjoyed sex. He didn't put pressure on me. I still enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed the connection. I enjoyed uh, the pleasure that I felt. And, you know, you don't know that you are missing chocolate cake if you've never tasted chocolate cake before. So (laughs) I I didn't really like it was like, okay, well, this is what sex is about. I, I didn't really think orgasm was much of a big deal. Anyways, it wasn't until I got dumped because of my inability to orgasm that I started to feel more self conscious. That was really the low point for me was like, oh God, now there's something wrong with me. And now I'm, it's going to keep me from having relationships, keep me from satisfying connections. Okay, now I need to fix this. Yeah. So, so then when I had an orgasm, I felt not so broken again. Although there was a sense of, oh, well, I need a vibrator to do this. How do I introduce that to a partner? And there were a few challenges around that. It wasn't until I started taking workshops where I started to feel like, oh, now I know what to do with a penis. Oh, now I know where everything is down there oh, now I know what feels really good. Um, and that confidence is what made me enjoy sex more because I didn't feel like I was fumbling around in the dark and not bringing pleasure, looking like an idiot, whatever, right? And, and of course, sex is supposed to be all about this, you know, how you see it in the movies, like I know what I'm doing and taking yeah. charge. So when I didn't feel like I had that, it, I became very self-conscious. So it was really that period of time between being dumped for not having an an orgasm to feeling like I knew what I was doing that, that was really the low point. And then finally attending workshops and learning about pleasure, then I went into my new sexual interactions with like, okay, tell me what you want. How does this feel? This is what I want. And there was so much more relaxation and pleasure because there wasn't the anxiety of like, ah, what am I doing? What's going to work? So that, that was really where the, the big difference came in. And- Knowledge is power.
0: Yes. And one thing you you mentioned like Hollywood movies, because honestly, what we're taught in school in those sex ed classes, it's nothing compared to what we can actually learn. And I know that most of us have learned from the movies. And like you say, what's in the movies and what reality is not the same thing, and I think that's where it brings a lot of confusion and pressure, especially for women to oh have that amazing moaning, uh, over the top orgasm, and that men think that's what's supposed to be happening too.
1: Well, there are some of us who discover orgasms on our own. We can orgasm easily. Some of us get a lot of pleasure from intercourse, and that standard in and out works really well. We're satisfied. We're happy. <laughs> but that's like, I don't know, 10% of the population. Wow. And, um, and the way that it, you know, 30% of us enjoy intercourse and can orgasm from intercourse. But even still, you know, I would say that fewer of us, that's, that, that's all we want to do. You know, many of us really miss the other things like oral pleasure and manual stimulation and maybe some kink and, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. other kinds of things we like to do, toys. So the model that we're presented as like, you know, oh, your partner gets hard, you know, and this is of course in a heterosexual model, there's, not everybody falls into that model. Mm -hmm. You know, man gets hard after a little bit of kissing Penetration happens. um, You know, five minutes later, everybody's having a great time, and we're done. Uh, Just get it done (laughs) completely. And and it makes sense that that's where a lot of us end up because Mm -hmm. because we think, oh, you know, what's wrong with me if you know I'm not wet already? What's wrong with me if um, you know after five minutes of kissing I'm not really wet? And and sometimes what happens is that at the beginning of a relationship that can happen, but that's not because we we started getting aroused when the kissing happened. We were getting aroused. Was while we were sitting in the park trying to figure out if we wanted to, you know, what we would do if our partner kissed us, if we wanted to hold their hand, whether they were interested in us. We were already really aroused by the time that kiss happened and the touching happened. And so we could get aroused really quickly or what felt like really quickly, but that's because we were starting from like being 80% there without even any touch, mm. you know, right? And then that's fast yeah fast forward to you know okay that erotic tension is gone we've been dating for a while i'm a little bit mad at you because you didn't really pay attention to me or or say this thing to me you know and so then our partner starts to kiss us and we're at like zero rather than 80 or even minus 10 because we're mad (laughs) and and then we're expecting that five minutes of kissing is going to make us ready for intercourse and it often isn't and then we think like what's wrong with us and then we get into the habit of like you know what I'm just it's five minutes I'm gonna get it over with yeah because um, I've got you know some cooking to do and um, sleep to happen or whatever and mm-hmm. and we just kind of go along and then we get in this pattern where we don't expect the pleasure for ourselves we don't realize that there are other ways of going about it sometimes we have partners who really try and sometimes they just they they also buy into To the same model that, you know, well, it used to work that, you know, I kissed you for five minutes and we were good to go. So what's wrong with you? It's not working now. But certainly, porn doesn't help. It reinforces all of those ideas. You know, Hollywood movies reinforce those ideas. And of course, if you want to look up sex on the internet, (laughs) Mm. you know, you're going to have to wade through a lot of misinformation or what I would consider. Um, false expectations, whether it be videos or information to figure out, okay, what really works for me? Mm -hmm. What is going to help me to feel more pleasure? Because the other reality is that as women, we're all different. And so just because you read some Cosmo or whatever article that says like, oh, the best way to have an orgasm is to do these three things. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, when it comes to penises, what works for one more or less works for all of them with a little bit of variation, but they're, they're, they're pretty similar. Where it comes to women, what one likes is very different than the others. Even when it comes to, say, nipple stimulation, right? If you look at porn, you think like, oh, stimulate your nipples and, you know, you're ready to go. And for many of us, nipple stimulation feels like no different than touching your elbow. It's really no more exciting mm. than that. So the same thing with clitorises. Some people don't like their clitoris stimulated. Some people have huge erogenous zones in their vagina. Others, it's like it feels emotionally connecting, but not that pleasurable. Some people like direct stimulation. Some people like indirect. So the other confusing piece is that you start reading or you start looking and you're like, oh well, I tried these things and it doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, this article said like this is what I need to do, but I still don't feel anything. What's wrong with and then as we get more resentful, we start thinking there's something wrong with us. Then our mind starts playing into it. And, and before you know it, we're like judging ourselves. Why is this not working? And what's going wrong? And how come I can't have an orgasm? And, and all of that, we're, we're in our heads and we're not actually feeling what's going on in our bodies. Mm-hmm. So, so then we, a lot of us, we just give up on sex. We're like, you know what? It's just not going to happen. You know, I'll have sex to make my partner happy. And then we get resentful. Um, and then sex stops happening.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, or we just go through That's the motions more common than we'd like to oh, completely. say. Completely. In your book, you shared a statistic that 92% of women pleasure themselves and two thirds do it three times a week. Wow, like <laughs> self pleasure, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and this is from one survey. I mean, I I don't have the statistic in front of me, and whether what the age group was and that kind of thing. But certainly, ninety percent of women have done it. You know, not everybody does it all the time, but um, lots of us do. And that's you know, you're your own best lover. That's the best way of figuring out what works for you and what you enjoy, and and to satisfy your own needs so that you can, when you're feeling horny, you can pleasure yourself, and you don't have to try and figure out if your partner's interested or if you're not partnered, you know, who am I going to call? You can look after yourself and take care of your own sexual needs.
0: I love um, that.
1: Yeah. I love that. And, and using whatever tools we, we have, right? So you can use your fingers, you can use a vibrator, whatever works. Um, they're all equally fabulous ways of feeling pleasure
0: talk about the health benefits because maybe that Mm. might just make that woman listening that mother listening a little more interested if she's like more on the conservative side yeah it's like broccoli (laughs) so you say that masturbation should be considered a basic need that this should be part of her healthy lifestyle just like exercising eating her vegetables and healthy activity and you even shared how in the UK there was even a pamphlet wrote about how one orgasm a day keeps a doctor away, like what we see for apples. Yeah. And so I thought this was really interesting because I have never heard it said this way. And that kind of changes my perspective on it. And hopefully it might change someone else that is listening. But talk more about some of these health benefits of masturbation.
1: Sure. And I I think also to preface that is we think that sex is something that we're supposed to do when everything else is finished. It's kind of trivial. You do it at the end of the day. You know, I don't know about you, but I never get everything done in uh, in a day that I was hoping to get done. And (laughs) I think that's the case for most parents so it's kind of seen as like frivolous it's not really important but actually our sexual health is very important and it's an it's an important part of who we are as an individual it's an important mm-hmm. part of our health as a couple and so orgasms in and of themselves are really great for releasing feel-good hormones and oxytocin and um uh boosting our um, immune system and um i can't remember all of the other health benefits uh, you probably i think you yeah, probably um, have them but i I
0: had a few here. Fall asleep, decrease stress right. levels, pain yeah. relief, boost confidence, immune system, concentration, menstrual yeah. cramps.
1: Yeah. And, you know, not to say that, you know, if you uh, are going to go outside um, and there's all kinds of COVID around you, that having had an orgasm is going to boost your immune system to protect <laughs> you against that, right? These are all small and part of an overall holistic perspective on general health, right? So it'll help your immune system just like eating broccoli will. And it will boost your self-confidence just like feeling, you know, like you know what you're doing at work does. You know, it will bring you a sense of more pleasure, which is good when you go into the bedroom with your partner and you're more interested in having sex with your partner because, you know, you get more satisfaction. So you're more interested in having sex more regularly. And you also get along better with your partner when you're having more good intimate. Connection. So you know it, it, they're all small and incremental. I don't want to overpromise this, but mm-hmm. if you need that little bit of incentive, that no, there's nothing wrong with this. Uh, you know, masturbation was was uh, seen as something that was unhealthy many many years ago, and certainly religions have reinforced those ideas, and those stay with us through generations, through jokes that we hear, through ideas we get in the media, through how our parents talk to us about but it's actually, it's a very healthy activity to do. And if that helps you to start doing it, so be it, you know, or or ask your doctor and say like, you know, I want to masturbate. What do you think? And, you know, I actually uh, know someone who was struggling with self-pleasure. Um, and I said like, you know, talk to your doctor. And the doctor was very positive. It was very healthy. It was actually for a male. And because we have different taboos for men and self-pleasure. And so that really helped to alleviate this sense of like. There's something wrong with me and that it actually is very, very healthy to do. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you're a loser. Doesn't mean that you don't have good sex with your partner. Doesn't mean you don't have any sex with your partner. It's just something that you do that brings pleasure to you and has other health benefits as well. Yeah.
0: And one thing I really loved in your book is that it's about how to be a pleasure seeker. It's your day-to-day life when you're eating, pleasures of having that bite and, and what you wear, you know, outfit that just makes you feel sexy or really good and just being intentional and present in what you do so you can give yourself permission to feel good. And I love that.
1: It is and you know women are really saddled with this idea that we're supposed to be givers that if we know what we want or we ask for what we want we're selfish, we're slut, there's something wrong with us, we're supposed to be demure and only take things when offered to us and we're supposed to say no, 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 I'm okay, I don't need that. <laughs> um, and so pleasure for ourselves and attention on our own needs especially when you've got kids is seen as you know you're supposed to come last. Mm -hmm. Um, you're supposed to be the one who enjoys things the least that everybody else comes before you. You know, it's the same analogy as the airplane oxygen mask. You know, you're supposed to put the oxygen mask on yourself. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to do that for your kids. You're not going to be able to be there for other people. And you know, if we don't look after our own needs and we're depleted, then we snap at our kids and we don't enjoy them as much. And our everything, little thing our partner does brings resentment. And, and we, we feel like, ah, oh, you know, what's in it for me? And taking those little moments of, you know, eating a chocolate truffle and savoring it for two minutes, or yeah, feeling putting on a lacy bra underneath your clothes, going to yoga, you know, or, <laughs> or, or to the play group with your kids and feeling like, yeah, I'm sexy and I deserve pleasure and taking ownership of your body and your pleasure because nobody else is. So that's so good. Yeah. You know, if you you don't want to look back when you're 65 and say like, wow, nobody really thought about my pleasure. Well, you know, and your partner might and they might give up if you (laughs) keep saying like, no, no, it's okay. No, no, I don't know what I want. Oh, I don't know. You just do your thing. They're going to give up. And I've also met lots of women who got divorced or widowed, but often when they're like divorced and they never really thought that pleasure was important. And then they start dating or sometimes they just get kind of blown away. This person asks them out and they're like, who, me? You're interested in me? And then they start focusing on their pleasure and they're like, oh my God, this whole world mm-hmm. that I had no idea existed. And it's never too late. I've had women in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s discovering their sexuality for the first time. It's never too late. There's no shame in it. But sometimes there's a sadness, you know, like, wow. You know, I could have had so much more pleasure in my marriage if I'd only spoken up, or I could have even pleasured myself had I thought that 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 was okay, or I'd given myself the space for that. You know, nobody's going to fight for you. uh, So you need to kind of advocate for yourself. And self-pleasure is the best way to do that because you don't (laughs) need to get a partner on side. You can just take charge of that yourself. And you're learning about your
0: body. Honestly, I would dare say most of us have not looked with those little mirrors at our Mm -hmm. vagina and all the areas. And if I would say like the labia or inner labia and things like that, most people would be like, what?
1: Where where is that? So it's also discovering ourselves. Well, it's hard to see. So, so it's, it's a little bit tough for us, you know, unlike penises, like they're hanging out there, you touch them when you pee, like it's just, Mm -hmm. it's all very obvious. For us, there's so much that's hidden. And then of course, it doesn't help all of the fish joke, all of the uh, things that we hear about how dirty, smelly and ugly and terrible tasting vaginas are. Mm -hmm. And of course, if we can't see it, then we imagine it to be some like monster vampire with teeth, which of course (laughs) is another analogy we've heard. And if a partner's ever said something or looked a certain way, when they were looking at your vulva and we imagine oh god they probably think i look terrible or ugly and then we push them away um so so making friends with your vulva making friends with your vagina looking at it exploring it you know there is so much to explore and learn about sex and learning is is exciting so it's fun to have some excitement in your life and certainly there's so much more than we learned in health class about you know a penis looks like a banana um Mm -hmm. And they don't even talk about what a vagina looks like or a vulva. Um, They don't tell you where the clitoris is. And so, you know, sex is insert penis, uh, insert A into slot B and that's sex. Um, And there's like vestibular bulbs underneath your labia. There's uh, the G-spot, which has lots of, you know, lots of myths and questions about there's a perineal sponge, there's pleasure on the outside of your anus, there's your cervix that if done, you know, a certain way can feel really pleasurable. There's lots of different ways of pleasuring a clitoris, even, you know, there are more things to uncover, which is when I teach workshops, people are always like, wow, why didn't I learn this in high school? Wow, how did I not know this? Um, There's so much that we don't know, and it would be great if we did know those things. And generally, most of our partners don't know it either. And they're often just as excited to learn about it. They're just as excited to know how to pleasure you better, what feels good, how to you know, bring you to pleasure and share in that joy with you. There's so much more to learn, and you can enjoy it on your own. You can enjoy it with somebody else. So, when you
0: give those sex workshops, which ones are more popular? Are are they for all women, or do you have for couples, or what type of setting do you do people usually ask you for?
1: So, it really varies. Right now, we're just online Mm -hmm. um, because we're in 2020 and COVID times. Um, Typically, for in-person workshops, um, orgasms. Bigger Better Multiple Orgasms is one of our more popular workshops. I sometimes teach it for women, and I sometimes teach it for all genders. What I find is that a workshop with all women, women ask questions, they're opening up, they're laughing, they're saying, but what about this, and I tried this, and and there's a whole like fun vibe in the room when there are all genders present nobody really wants to say anything nobody wants to say something about their partner well my partner does this is that right you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) they won't bring that up where they will when it's um in a in a group where their partner isn't but even the presence of other men that they don't know it's very much more subdued it's very different it's still fun it's still informative but Mm -hmm. there's so much more freedom that we have when we feel like we're with our our people like-minded who who kind of understand us and we start to realize that there are no dumb questions and that other people have the same misconceptions or um, ideas about sex or struggles. And all of a sudden you feel the whole room relax and like, oh, okay, now I get it oh, there's other people like me. I'm not the only one. Because of course, a classic thing is where a partner says, well, you know, all my previous partners had an orgasm during intercourse. And you're like, oh, what's wrong with me? (laughs) Well, you know, they could have been in that 10 to 30% who did, but my hunch is, is that some of them were faking it also. Mm. so so that's our most popular workshop another popular one is giving great head um, because often women don't really know what to do with penises we don't enjoy giving head we want to figure out how to do it um, so that we enjoy it we also want to bring pleasure to our partners so that's another popular one we do other topics on things like I do one on anal pleasure we do them on kissing we do them on finding your erotic blueprint which is like what turns you on we do them on cannabis and sex so we're always expanding our offerings and looking for new and interesting topics because sex is such a vast realm to explore people who want to learn kink how to how to talk dirty all those kinds of things Mm -hmm. Um, and so normally we do them in person but now we have them online and we have some recorded ones as well on our website goodforher.com so you can download whenever you want pre-recorded workshop to learn on your own time.
0: And that's amazing for anyone that wants to learn and not very comfortable at first so they can watch your videos.
1: Yeah. So on my website, carlislejansen.com. And then also we have a YouTube video uh, site. We have some free short videos that are like five minutes each. Then any of our workshops that are say an hour to three hours long, those are paid. But most people feel like, wow, that was good value. (laughs) I learned a lot. People say like, how do you have a workshop on giving head the last three hours? What more is there to say about (laughs) basically bobbing your head up and down? that's the whole point. It's Mm -hmm. not about bobbing your head up and down. And there's so much more that you can learn and enjoy and approach to make it more pleasurable. Mm And I have to say that
0: reading your book for anyone that wants to have a general overview and a little bit of everything, your book mm. is so good for that. It gives ideas and there's graphics. So it, it's really helpful. And oh, good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I, some, some I like some of the sex toys. I put like a star. Okay, I'll have to buy that. And oh, I didn't know about it. Right. <laughs> and my, right. my partner was all excited. He's like, yes, go for it. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. It's spicing it up. And it's also about your pleasure. And the reality of toys, too, is it makes your partner's job a little easier, right? (laughs) Especially if it's hard for you to have an orgasm. You know, it can be really tiring, you know, to be focusing on your pleasure for, you know, 40 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. Um, So a sex toy can help speed that up. and, And there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, when you don't have that much time and then you're not going to be interested in having sex because you're like, oh, God, we're going to be here for an hour. You know, I want to go to sleep as opposed to, hey, we can have fun in 20 minutes. We can both feel pleasure. We can both feel satisfied and, and wake up feeling more connected in the morning. Mm-hmm. The other thing about my book I want to mention is that I, I put in techniques because I find so many books leave out the techniques. And that's yes. great that you know where your clitoris is. Now, what do I do with it? So many people who come to me and they're like, oh well, my therapist said, you know, just explore, you know, well, we need a bit of a roadmap. You know, it's sort of like saying, how are oh. you going to cook? Well, you know, just buy a bunch of things from the grocery store and put them together. Well, some ideas, this goes with this, you know, um this is really great raw, but this one you might want to steam. This one you might want to barbecue. Having some ideas gives you so much more room to explore and expand on your knowledge rather than, okay, well, I figured this one thing out. So I guess it's, you know, uh, mac and cheese for dinner from here on in.
0: (laughs) That's funny. I want to talk about some common misconceptions about masturbation, which a lot of us have thought about at least one of these before. Um, So when someone says, is it sex if I masturbate?
1: Yes, it is. It's absolutely sex. Sex is about pleasure. Sex could be with yourself. It can be with one other person. It wouldn't be with 18 other people. Uh, It can be in your dreams. Sex is about pleasure and there's no right way or wrong way of doing it. When we start putting boxes around it, sex is only intercourse on Saturday night in the missionary position when your male partner ejaculates, right? That's the narrow definition. Let's broaden that a little bit. That sex on your own is is sex just as sex with a partner is. Now, it doesn't mean that it's cheating.
0: Mm, you're that was my second question.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need to have an agreement with your partner that you have, you know, if you're monogamous, um, you have sex with each other and you have sex with yourself and it's great to have sex with yourself you're not in the mood your partner's not in the mood we can look after ourselves you're not in the country or you're away or whatever you know you can look after yourselves you want a little bit of time to decompress you can have sex with yourself there's nothing that takes away from partner sex and in fact there are many studies that show that people who masturbate tend to have more partner sex rather than less So, it doesn't get in the way. Now, what does get in the way is if you'd rather masturbate than have sex. Well, is that because your partner doesn't pleasure you the way you want? Okay, then you need to have a conversation. Are you late for work because you masturbate before getting ready to go? Are you staying in rather than visiting with your friends because you'd rather masturbate? That's when it gets in the way. But I get a lot of people saying like, oh, my partner masturbates once a day. He's a sex addict. Um, No, that's just somebody who enjoys pleasure. Uh, And as long as it's not interfering with the pleasure that you have together, your partner's connection with their kids, their friends, their work, there's nothing wrong with it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's something I've, I've read before. And I've heard mom bloggers say that they felt threatened when their partner was masturbating. Initially, with my own relationship at the beginning, I, I felt threatened as well because I didn't know. I didn't know right. like yeah. about it, anything about it.
1: Well, that's because of the myth that is, you know, if your partner masturbates, it means that they're not attracted to you. No. <laughs> or the myth that uh, they're masturbating because you don't satisfy them. No. Um, or they're masturbating because they're addicted or they're masturbating because there's something wrong with them. So all of those things will make us feel uncomfortable. And it doesn't mean that we necessarily want to watch our partner masturbate or we want them to announce at dinner time, okay, I'll see you in a few minutes, I'm going upstairs to masturbate and then we'll watch a movie or, whatever, you know, like it doesn't mean that that's necessarily what's going to happen. But certainly it being a private activity and sometimes people, if you're not feeling horny, your partner can masturbate. Masturbate and you can kiss them at the same time, or vice versa. You're feeling horny, but your partner's not into it. They can pleasure your breasts. They can talk dirty to you. They can, you know, they can masturbate at the same time, and that can be fun and sexy. So, you know, it can be a private activity. It can be together. But I think the discomfort is often based on the myths, right? What am I uncomfortable with about my partner masturbating? Oh, because I think that it only should happen with us together. Okay, well, let's, you know, debunk some of those myths.
0: Yeah. And one thing I was surprised reading is for some others listening, you see... Kids start exploring masturbation really young. For yourself, I, I think you were about six years old when you tried it, let's say, and then your mom walked in on you and you're like, never again.
1: Yeah. Um, but young kids are actually doing it. And as, starting at what age? I've seen, oh, I've seen all kinds of things. I mean, um, you know, certainly when I was changing my kids' diapers, the hand was waiting for that opportunity to get down there. <laughs> Uh, now, my kids have penises, so, you know, it was much more obvious. And I, I think that boys pleasure themselves, not always to orgasm, but will pleasure themselves absolutely from a young age and as soon as they discover that it feels good to touch there. Um, girls often have to be told that they've got a spot where it feels good, and that's one thing that we often omit telling them. We don't tell our daughters, yeah, you know, what, what do we say to kids? Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. There's no discussion of you've got a clitoris right so again you get into this idea like oh insert part a into slot b no girls have a clitoris there's lots of pleasure areas there you know you can you can touch yourself and it feels really good so often girls don't know that it's there until they hear about it and Mm -hmm. often it's from their friends or from a movie or something and so yeah, lots of lots of girls start pleasuring themselves at like three four five six, some not until they hit puberty and start feeling you know horny um, and others get the message that it's not okay and they don't do it until they listen to somebody who gives them permission later on. Mm-hmm. But it's very natural and normal to explore your sexuality. Again, it's a private thing. If your kids are, you know, touching themselves and at the dinner table or when you're around, it's like, you know what? I know that feels so good. And I'm so happy that you've discovered that pleasure. Just like picking your nose, it's a better thing to do in private. So, you know, you can excuse yourself and go to the bathroom or up to your bedroom. That's all good. Um, you want, you know, that's just that's just a private thing. And, but really reinforcing, there's nothing wrong with it. That's great. I'm so glad you found that part of your body that feels so good. That's really natural.
0: Mm, that's a very good tip because I, like my daughter, she's two and a half and she always has her hands in her pants and we're like, ah, take your hands out. That's just how you kind of react as right. naturally. But yeah, no, that's a good way to, to think about it because then
1: we react like it's bad. That's how it starts, Right. Completely. And then it's full of shame and full of like, oh, there's something wrong with it. And so, yeah, just reinforcing like, hey, that, that's great. You found that part of your body. You know, do you want to go into the other room and do that? And you can even say, you know, I, I don't want to watch you do that kind of thing. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just private. Mm
0: hmm. Let's talk about erogenous zones. And Mm -hmm. what I like about this is for women, like you said, there's so many different ways that we can pleasure ourselves and feel pleasure. It's not just through something in and out like vagina, G-spot clitoris, your breasts around your anus. But one thing I want to ask you first is about the G-spot because I had no clue where it was until I read your book. And then I was like, really? so can you, I, I'm sure there's someone else listening that might not know where the G-spot is. So
1: where's the G-spot? Yeah, so it's it's more of um, an area. So it's on the front wall of the vagina. So if you go inside, uh, the side closest to the front of your body, right, where your belly button is, but not that deep. So it's on the front wall and it starts right on the inside. So three reasons why people haven't found their G-spots. One is that they're not aroused. So it's erectile tissue, it has to engorge to feel good. So if you just stick your fingers in there while you're listening to this podcast and you're not aroused, you're not gonna necessarily feel anything. You need to be aroused first, that's the first thing. Secondly, we're often looking too deep and I see it constantly described as two to three inches in. And for some people that might be how far in it is, but for most of us, it's like, Um, just at the inside to like one or max two knuckles inside. And certainly I found actually after the birth of my second child, everything had fallen a little bit. (laughs) so it's actually, you know, my really sensitive area is barely on the inside. It's almost on the outside is where that erectile tissue feels really good. So try shallow and try deep, but try shallow also. And the third thing is that some of us need pressure in order to feel it. So for some, a little gentle touch is like, whoa. And for for most of us because the g-spot isn't sitting there on the surface of the vagina it's actually around the urethra where we pee out of and so it has to get engorged to feel that and some of us depending on how close our urethra and our vagina is some of us need pressure in order to feel it and we're often so gentle with our vulvas because especially if we want like gentle clitoral stimulation and we think oh we have to be really gentle with a the vagina the vagina is built to take a fair bit of vigorous activity And so pressure against the front wall of the vagina is often what we need, like a firm G-spot toy, like fingers that are very firm, firm penis angled towards that front wall of the body. Those are all great ways to find and experience the G-spot. Now, when you've hit it, you will often feel like you have to go pee because Mm -hmm. you're indirectly stimulating the bladder. So a lot of people will feel that sense of like, oh my God, I have to go pee. Stop because I don't want to pee on you. And that is a natural response. If you breathe deeply, that urgency goes away. Or do it when you're in the shower, or do it even when you're sitting on the toilet, or put down some towels on the bed so that you can feel like, okay, you know what? If something comes out, it's not the end of the world. And what it might actually be is ejaculate. So some women will ejaculate and it comes out of the urethra, but it's not pee. Um, it Doesn't smell like urine does. It doesn't stain sheets like urine does. But some people will ejaculate with G-spot stimulation or even other kinds of stimulation, and that can feel very pleasurable also.
0: Hmm. So it's like pushing against your belly a little bit in yeah, but up.
1: shallow, very okay. shallow, right? So that so it's it's towards it's kind of almost towards your pubic bone, really from the inside. So let's say
0: the woman listening, she's like, okay, but I don't know what are my erogenous zones or even Mm -hmm. my non-erogenous zones like what are the ones that give me pleasure because like you said if her friend is the breasts and for her she's like "Mm, not so much so how does she go about figure out what zones all over her body gives her pleasure
1: well this is where masturbation comes into play so maybe even just starting out in the bath um, a lot of women find that they can start pleasuring themselves in the bath because it's the only time, especially if you have young kids, <laughs> <that> people will <laughs> leave you alone. You can lock the door <laughs> and, and just, you know, start touching all over your body and allowing yourself. That even five minutes to just touch and like, oh, where does it feel nice? Or when you're lying in bed, maybe you know, you're waiting for your partner to come to bed, or it's first thing in the morning and you've woken up and you want to give yourself five minutes, just kind of stroke, touch all over, where does it feel good? Um, And certainly for your vulva and your vagina, giving yourself some time to get aroused, maybe some lubricant. Um, Especially if you're breastfeeding, there's no, we we don't lubricate as much when we're breastfeeding. So adding some lubricants so that it feels good, but even still on the outside, we need lube because there's no natural lubrication there anyways, Mm. and feeling around. And and that's why I have sort of the erogenous zones and the techniques in the book, because um, it gives you some ideas of areas to stimulate between the labia, um, shallowly in the vagina and the back wall of the vagina, you know, the anus, even just like the lower back. Belly and your inner thighs and the underside of your breasts and your neck and there's so many places so take some time to figure out what you like because you can't expect your partner to know what you like mm-hmm. unless you let them know and if you're not partnered this is a fabulous time Take advantage of this time. This is your research. <laughs> you know, what is it that feels good? What I would want to know how to tell my partner. This is what I like. This is what feels good. And that will only make sex with somebody else better as well as sex on your own better.
0: I'm afraid. And some words you use to explore is jiggling, tapping, squeezing, rubbing, doing circles, like just changing the movement, the your strokes, fast, gentle, short, lots of pressure, less pressure, things like that maybe that's why like men say oh women are complicated because for men when it comes to sex like you said more or less it's pretty straightforward what they like but for women it's like you have to explore so we have to explore our own bodies if we first of all want to have great sex with someone else we have to know what we want and masturbation is great for that exploring your your own pleasure
1: Absolutely. And, you know, there are lots of ways. And and so, yes, we are complicated, which is um, inconvenient if you want to have robotic sex. But <laughs> who wants to have robotic sex, right? <laughs> so if you actually want to, you know, sex is a form of play. And if you want to do different things, you want to have fun, you want to explore, you want to be creative, then that's an advantage that you're different every time. Mm-hmm. Who am I today? And, and, and so yes we're different from each other and what i liked on thursday is going to be different than what i like on saturday and you can see that as a negative or you can take that as a positive and you can say like wow you know let's let's discover my body and my responses today that's you know being curious rather than oh you're too hard to figure out that's when somebody just wants to figure out okay i know the sequence i push an eight and a four and a three and a two and the safe opens you know yeah (laughs) like that's not that's not what our body is um how does my breast feel today you know does my clitoris want intense or not so intense today do i feel like a vibrator or not and that is actually what can make sex exciting rather than be a drawback Mm
0: hmm And you say that adding props is a good way. What are some ideas of props we can use on ourselves? Like you say, it can be things around the house.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I always recommend that you have a, a box of toys that you have on hand that you can use at any given time. So things like uh, my favorite are the Mardi Gras beads You know, those things that look like a pearl necklace, but they're blue or green or purple and you get them at the dollar store and they get given out at bachelorette parties. Mm -hmm. Those things are awesome. Just drag them the whole length of your body along the inner thigh, along your breasts, along your labia. They're so fabulous. They feel so good. And then feathers, a fork. Um, a dull knife, a scarf, a piece of silk, a piece of leather, if you like the smell of leather. Um, I have things like uh, massage toys. I have different kinds of brushes. I have things that I got at the dollar store that are, you know, kitchen appliances or not appliances, but kitchen <laughs> items like spoons and a whip. Um, things that you whip your eggs with. So start looking around your house and looking when you're at the dollar store with different eyes how would that feel you know um the the claws for pulled pork if you like Mm. if you like scratchy sensations uh you know gently dragging those along the back can be exquisite and playing with contrast Mm. so you drag your nails or something like those claws and then you drag a soft piece of faux fur or a scarf right playing with contrast can feel really nice the skin there's so much sensation Right, there's so many spots to pleasure, and there are so many different ways of doing it. So once we start opening our minds to it, there's a, a whole world of pleasure there that you can explore.
0: Hmm, it's just really literally thinking outside the box. You see that yeah. what's good about self pleasure is we can fantasize about anyone any like any scenario no one knows yeah. playing with our senses uh, aromas you can put diffusers candles um trying at a different time of the day to see when it's best for us in different places too so
1: just like sex with a partner you don't always want to do it the same way all the time now it doesn't mean that you need to set up a huge elaborate environment but put on a pair of shoes that you find sexy put on your lipstick light a candle there you go you know, two minutes and you're good to go. And the fantasy, yeah, you can fantasize about your co-worker, about your high school teacher, about your neighbor. You can have all kinds of taboo fantasies, your your doctor, your kid's coach. <laughs> um, you know, all of those are fine. And a lot of people get worried about fantasies. Well, if you're always fantasizing about your co-worker and there's erotic tension at work, you know, maybe that's not the best fantasy to, to reinforce because that can lead you to To a place of temptation or trouble, or start to take away from your relationship with your partner. But switch it up because you don't want to become sort of obsessed with the same thing all the time. Um, I think that leads you into patterns of it has to be this, it has to feel this way, otherwise, it's not satisfying. You want to have a diverse repertoire.
0: I have a question about when we can't orgasm, is it because we haven't found the right way to pleasure ourselves?
1: So I do think that sex is a is a learned skill. And some people, just like some people, pick up math really quickly and some of us have to work at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of us are natural artists and others, like no matter how many classes we take, it's really hard for us to feel like we do anything satisfying. <laughs> Same thing with sex. Some people figure it out really easily. And some of us, orgasm does not come easily. Now we can learn, we can practice, we can try different things and some of us need glasses to see some of us need a calculator to do math just the mm-hmm. same way that i might need a vibrator in order to orgasm mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that so sometimes we need to have a little bit of extra help to get there and then there's all of these ideas that come into our mind about how what sex is supposed to feel like that i should have had it figured out by now that i should enjoy intercourse that what's wrong with me so when we start to pile shame and judgment on to our sex, that's when we get distracted and we don't enjoy what's going on. So yes, orgasm is really, really challenging. So I think that the two best tools for having an orgasm if it's challenging, one is a powerful vibrator like the magic wand, or you could use one of the suction toys like the Satisfier or Womanizer, terrible name, but good toy, (laughs) Um, and mindfulness. Mindfulness is something I use a lot in my practice as a coach and psychotherapist and sex therapist when we can pay attention to the sensations, we feel so much more. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit like the difference between sitting down and eating a a beautiful meal and just really tasting it and savoring it as opposed to doing it while we're watching TV, Mm -hmm. right? We don't really taste it then. And so you're not going to have as much satisfaction. So if your mind is distracted, you're not going to feel what's going on and you're not going to enjoy it in the same way and you're less likely to orgasm.
0: And for an orgasm, for most women, is it like just a quiet moan and, or do some women actually have this over the top, oh my God, like in the movies?
1: Yeah, it really varies, and it okay. varies from time to time. Like sometimes I have a quiet orgasm, and sometimes, especially when I've got a lot of energy, it's a little more like that classic scene from When Harry Met Sally, where she fakes the orgasm in the <laughs> yeah. restaurant, um, or you know what we see in porn. So it can look really different from person to person and from session to session. A lot of people though feel like, oh, well, I'm not making a lot of sound, and I'm my body's not convulsing, and I'm not screaming. Maybe I'm not having good. Orgasms. Well, you know, we can't get into other people's heads um, Mm -hmm. and body. You know, you might be actually feeling the same thing. You just express it a little bit differently. So just because you're not screaming doesn't mean you're not having a good experience. And just because you're screaming doesn't mean it's better. You know, we get into this performative side of sex where sometimes we feel like we're supposed to scream, we're supposed to make sound, and we don't actually feel more pleasure that way. So everyone experiences it differently.
0: Very good to know. I have a specific question. This was always in the back of my mind. Years ago, I had a colleague, so she had gone to her best friend's wedding. And when she came back, she told me, my best friend is marrying this guy, told me he can never give her an orgasm. And Mm -hmm. she was like, if I was about to marry a guy or be in a long-term partnership, he definitely need to be able to give me an orgasm or that would be like a no-no for me. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be with him. I kept thinking about that because I was always like, is she right? And mm-hmm. I've been with men where some I wasn't emotionally attracted to them. It was like ha- right. casually having sex and I would get these amazing orgasm. And then I would be with someone I really enjoyed it and I wouldn't have these orgasms. And so sure. I got really confused. So um, I want to know based on this.
1: Well, I think it's not a great idea to base your whole relationship on whether somebody gives you an <laughs> orgasm or not, because I think you're going to be unhappy a lot, except when you're having sex, and then you're going to not want to have sex anyways. So, um, so the, the thing I'd like to emphasize is that we don't give people orgasm. You have an orgasm, uh, and anyone who is there, no matter what they're doing, they are a witness and an accomplice to a beautiful event. It is not their responsibility. They do not give you an orgasm. It's your responsibility. Now, having said that, if you have a partner who doesn't care about your pleasure, who can't be bothered to put the time into bringing you pleasure, who gets offended that you want to use toys, who um, feels insulted that you masturbate or takes it personally that you don't orgasm or shames you for how you pleasure yourself, how you orgasm, how you don't orgasm, that's problematic. So then that's a person that probably that's going to show up in other areas of life anyways. They're going to say that you don't cook properly and you don't look good and all those kinds of things. So, mm-hmm. so I would reframe it as, you know, all other things being great. If my partner doesn't take the time to pleasure you in bed, does not care about your pleasure, is not willing to look at different ways to bring you pleasure, then that's a problem. But whether their fingers, their tongue, their penis brings you an orgasm or not, that to me is not a deal breaker. That's just probably doesn't work with anyone. The great thing is, is that you've got your own fingers, you've got toys. Um, There are other ways that you can bring pleasure in. And and as long as your partner is open to those and is excited about what feels good to you, then I say all systems go. Yeah. Now, if you also if you can't relax around your partner, you know, if you if you feel pressure from your partner, if you feel like you have to orgasm in order to make them happy, that's a whole conversation you need to have and some work to do on mm-hmm. yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Just want to touch briefly on the anus. Yeah. And you say that around the outside of our anus is a very pleasurable, erogenous zone. That was news to me. I'm sure a lot of other women listening are thinking, oh, my anus. Uh, No, no, stay away from it. Not going there. Dirty, painful men seem to love that
1: area on somebody else they're (laughs) they're not as keen to have it explored on themselves unless they're open-minded it's always you know but that's true right the assumption is when you say let's have anal sex the assumption is that the penis goes up up the woman's butt in a Mm. heterosexual couple as opposed to hey let's have anal sex that means I want you to put something up my butt Mm. (laughs) right that's often the way that conversation goes
0: Yeah, that's true. So I have a question for that. When we're self-pleasuring, so what do you do? I know you've mentioned it in the book, but just quickly for the woman listening, what would be a first thing she could do to try and test that area for herself? Yeah,
1: great time to do it is in the shower you know you got so you already should be touching your butt just to clean things out and spend an extra 30 seconds just feel there a little bit get a sense of how it feels to your finger as well as how it feels to you and your butt with that kind of sensation and start to embrace that it might feel different so there's different odd and there's different painful notice the the different interesting um be curious about it if of course if it feels painful cuz you have hemorrhoids or something don't continue on Often anything new, we especially around the butt, we think like, oh, that must be bad. Because we've been told to stay away from our butts. Mm-hmm. And that was, for us a very good thing when we were young. Because, you know, there is bacteria there and you want to teach your kids to make sure that they don't touch their bums and then put their fingers in their mouths or touch the food or touch other things. Mm-hmm. So we, we got that message. As long as your hands are clean and your butt is clean and the feel around in there on the outside, if you want, you can gently... Um, put the pad of your finger on the inside and don't start with like this in and out, in and out. Just hold it there or like shake your whole hand so that your fingers moving just slightly or or kind of a vibration sensation what does that feel like most of the sensation is on the outside and like two-thirds of an inch on the inside that's where most of the sensation is so it's not like you have to go deep to feel anything Mm. so do that when you're on your own if you have a vibrator put a condom on it put some lube on the tip of it play around on the outside what does that feel like And then to kind of know what you like, when your partner is going down on you, that's a great time for them to do two things. One is if you put your hand in a fist and make your sort of the one knuckle down from your hand, make that poke out a little more and and wiggle your fingers. So that feels amazing. It's hard to do it to ourselves in the crack of the butt against the anus. Your partner could do that while they're going down on you. Feels phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The other thing they can do is if you've had a shower um, now, if you're worried about hepatitis because it's a new partner, then you need to um, or for other reasons, then you need to use a barrier like a dental dam. but using oral stimulation on the butt feels phenomenal. It is so good That's another great way to start exploring with a partner and I always say you know if you're going to explore butt play with a partner that you both receive. And you, one date is just on the outside. You don't do anything internally, so you can really feel the sensations and not be lying there thinking, "Okay, when's the finger going to go in? Okay, when am I ready for it? Do I am I going to want to do this? What if I'm not ready and my partner wants to put the finger in? What if I don't like it? Right then, you're not enjoying yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you just say, "We're both going to receive just on the outside," then you can relax and really sink into those sensations and savor them and see if you like them and some people that's all but sex is it's just on the outside you don't have to go in now, my other book is Anal Sex Basics, and I go into how to explore anal pleasure, and that is also, there are lots of techniques and do's and don'ts. You know, the biggest mistake people make with butt play is the only thing that they do or what they start with is a penis going in and out, and that's a really big thing to start with, which mm-hmm. is why people think it's going to be painful, because if that's how you start out, it's going to be painful. Mm-hmm. Anal sex shouldn't be painful. Pain yeah. is, is an indication that you're doing something wrong so don't ignore that part of your body and go slowly and and you will feel lots and lots of pleasure Mm.
0: so i have just a few freshly squeezed questions condoms on sex toys
1: um it makes easy cleanup so you don't have to put condoms on sex toys if you have a latex uh, toy but most sex toys especially if it's uh, silicone you only need a condom if you're going to go from one person to another that you're not sharing sexual juices with but otherwise they're easy to clean don't need
0: them Is it always better to use lubricant for self-pleasure?
1: 98% of the time, yes. Um, uh, There's no natural lubrication on the outside. Most of us want to start on the outside. Uh, Lube just makes that feel better. And then internally, some of us lubricate a lot, some of us don't. And so most of us need lube on the inside.
0: If you're in your menopause or have passed that point, you wrote, use it or lose it. What exactly do you mean by this?
1: So, and that applies even before menopause, but certainly the less we have sex, the less we desire it and the harder it is sometimes to get going. So we also want to keep the blood flowing when we're in menopause to that area because we don't have as much estrogen. And so the tissues start to dry out. They get more brittle. They there's easier tearing. So you don't even have to do internal stimulation, even just stimulating your clitoris or on the outside brings blood flow to that whole area and keeps that area healthy so that when you do have sex, especially penetrative sex, that it will feel more pleasurable.
0: Some of the sex toys you mentioned did double duty, like stimulating the clitoris and the inside. For someone that has never bought any sex toys, would you say starting with one that stimulates two parts at the same time is great? Or is there another one you'd recommend like for a first buy sex toy?
1: So I really think that um, the way to start is to get something you can explore with. So something that does internal and external gives you more options, but also sometimes it's more complicated. And then if you're gonna get frustrated, I don't know how to use this, it's not work for me, that just a very simple, with a bit of a curve, long and thin is the best way to start because you can use it internally, externally, you know, you can thrust with it. You can use pressure with it. You can use it on your clitoris during intercourse. You can use it against the whole labia. You can put it on the outside of your butt. Um, you can even put it against your mouth when you're going down on your partner or vice versa. I usually recommend something long and thin with a bit of a curve to match the curve of the body um, is great. And if you decide, hey, you know, I like in and out, um, but now I can only do one at a time, then you can get a cock ring. So a ring that fits on the toy that will give you external stimulation. And if you're having intercourse, that ring can also go on a penis. So you get external stimulation from intercourse because again, 70% of us need clitoral stimulation for mm-hmm. an orgasm. Is it better
0: to buy silicone based than generally, all the other? Generally, yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. So silicone toys are easier to clean. They're more hypoallergenic. They're a safer material for your body. They tend to last longer. Now they are generally more expensive so that's the trade-off but silicone is the preferred material you can do glass or metal but then they you don't have a vibrating toy and they tend to be really hard
0: these days a lot of people buy from amazon is buying sex toys on amazon good or should we stick to specific brands or based on price
1: It can be absolutely overwhelming. And what's nice is to actually walk into a sex shop and to see the toys. So if you can, that's a great way to do things. We do also um, try and do things on our website, such as if you want to buy a, a wand style vibrator, here are the different kinds. So that it's easier if you're not able to go in you can see the differences and have the differences explained to you the other thing is that a lo- amazon there are a lot of knockoffs on amazon i've even been duped by it where i was like how are they selling this toy at this price like that's crazy and then i went all the way through to the checkout before i realized and i have a trained eye or i realized that it was a knockoff so you might not be getting what you're looking for you might be getting one because some of those sites have return policies where somebody else got one and they said, oh, I don't like this. I'm going to send it back and they sell it to you, which is not a great idea for sex toys. Also, they don't treat their workers very well. There are lots of problems. So, um, you know, if you like to buy fair trade coffee and want to support positive industries, it's generally better to get your sex toys from a smaller retailer who also will narrow it down for you a little bit. Right. like, mm-hmm. you know, on some of these sites, there's like, you know, 50,000 different kinds of toys. Well, how do you narrow it down? So mm-hmm. we are happy to chat with you on the phone, um, online in our chat box, if you want to come into the store, you know, uh, and you can ask your questions about like, which might be better for me. We can, and we can come away much more likely to find something that works for you than something you're going to spend 50, 60 bucks on that you're, that breaks. And then you're like, ah, That didn't even work, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're actually not saving money in the end very often.
0: And watching porn while masturbating, what's your thoughts on
1: that? You know, for a lot of us, it helps us to get aroused. Um, It helps with the turn on. It helps with the fantasy. So that's great. Where I think is not helpful is if you're not feeling your body, you're not in your body, you're not enjoying the sensations. Orgasm is challenging. Then what it might be is that you're so focused on what's going on in the film that you're not actually feeling what's going on with you. Mm. And so if that's the case, it doesn't mean that you can't do it anytime. time. Uh, it just means that maybe you want to have some times where you savor the sensations and just focus on what you feel and close your eyes and really notice it rather than trying to get into somebody else's experience.
0: So where can listeners see your videos, find more about
1: you, your stores or the only located in Toronto uh, right now? Yeah, I have one store. Yeah, I I just have one store um, and it's in Toronto. So it's goodforher.com. So if you're visiting Toronto, you can stop by. We are online, so you can shop online, you can ask questions, you can learn from the workshops that we have listed online. We also have porn that we stream off of our site and so much porn, a lot of women say like, oh, you know, it's just the same old, same old and it's Mm -hmm. not, bodies don't look like me, the desires don't look like me. It's the same old where the guy gets the pleasure. So we have a streaming site where you can find porn that's a lot more diverse that shows different kinds of bodies, sexualities, orientations, genders and sexes, soft, more intense, and where the performers are paid and treated fairly. Anytime you don't pay for porn, generally that means that somebody else has been ripped off. Often in order to rip them off, also they have not been paid very well. Or treated fairly on screen so the place we stream is a paid site but it's not that expensive and you can then enjoy what you're doing while you enjoy what you're doing because you know that you're supporting where the performers are being treated positively and then if you go to YouTube we have um, some short educational videos on pleasure on orgasm on positions for stimulating the G spot during intercourse is one of our more popular ones what to do if you you feel pain and that's um the youtube page is spelt out goodforher.com so good for her, d-o-t com all one word is our youtube page um and we have a new one that's gfh slash goodforher that has more updated videos on it also so twitter and facebook is good for her and instagram good for her store yes. find me at, at carlislejansen.com So one last
0: question. I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. We all know that being a mother, a parent is a roller coaster of emotions and experiences keeping motherhood inspired. What one thing have you found kept you inspired and energized throughout your mom journey?
1: Mm, my relationship a lot of people say that your kids have to come first and again if you don't have a solid relationship if you don't um, feel connected if you don't spend time with each other that foundation starts to crumble and so having date nights um, giving the kids to their aunts and uncle for an overnight um, just those ways to energize our relationship and prioritize each other has been really critical
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Citrus Love, Keeping Motherhood Inspired Podcast. If you think someone would enjoy to listen to this episode, please share it with them. You can share the link wherever you're listening or go to our website at www.citruslove.com episode and the number where you will find the episode as well as all the information about the guests or the specific episode. The best way to get our podcast ranked is by leaving me a review wherever you're listening, Two, three, four, five, six stars, whatever you feel reflect podcast, this will not only let me know what needs to be improved, as well as what you particularly love. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get the next episode. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye guys.